Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan, and today I'm speaking with Lihod Rachmilovich, Chief Services Officer at Own Backup, a SaaS data protection platform for Salesforce, Microsoft Dynamics 365, and ServiceNow. Lihod, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Happy to be here with you. Well, we've entered what I often refer to as the chit-chat-free zone, so we're going to drive pretty much right in. As you reflect on your career, what's a critical initiative that stands out in your mind as having had a major impact on revenue performance? It's a great question, Jeremy. When I joined on Backup, we had an amazing product seven years ago. After about three years where we identified that we have a very uh, critical mass of customers, we came with this idea of launching our premier success offering. Uh, We have two main success offerings up until that moment, which were free of charge. Our services were accessible to all of our customers, but we want to take it to the next level. We did that by launching two new offerings. The first one was Premier Success, which is the 24-7 support with the one-hour SLA for all of our customers. And the second thing was the technical account management services, which allow our strategic, most large customers to have an advisory services that allows us to accelerate time to value at the beginning of the customer journey by increasing the adoption and ensuring that our customers are well protected and can sleep well at night while our backups are running in the back end. Was there traditional customer success components to it as well? Absolutely. So by default, all of our customers have access to our customer success organization. But those that are subscribing to those premier packages have a dedicated named customer success manager that works along with the rest of the resources internally if those are the implementation engineer, support representative, or the technical account managers. I always had this conflict in my mind between pooled customer success and dedicated customer success, that there are advantages and disadvantages both from the customer side and from the company side on both. So for instance, if you're pooled, then there's always somebody in theory, I guess, free to help you. Whereas if you're dedicated, then you know, that person is working a normal, a normal job. How do you reconcile the dedicated CS person with the need to provide 24-7 service? We need to distinguish between the customer success manager and the customer support engineer. Our 24 offering is being provided by our customer support managers. The customer success manager, which usually get to know you as a customer on a personal level and try to better understand what are your initiatives and how on backup can help you achieve those initiatives by securing your environments and your data and make sure that nothing goes wrong. While the customer support engineer that are available 24-7 are available to help you with any technical difficulties, regardless to where are you in your customer journey, And what are the bigger initiatives that you're discussing with the customer success manager? I'd love to talk through two aspects of the customer success journey. We have a lot of listeners who are first-time founders, and they're going to set up CS for the first time. So taking baby steps, even before a premier success offering, if you're starting a new company, how would you go about thinking about when to add CS and, and how to define the role? So the baby steps are to really understand how you as a founder or leader in each company can accelerate the time to value. When someone buy your service, especially in the SaaS industry, they pay for 
subscription, usually 12 months in advance. And if you will tell them that the onboarding will take nine months, they basically pay for 12 months, but get value only for three months at the end of the year. So that's make it very hard on the ROI question. What is the return on investment? So trying to better understand how you can accelerate the process, who is going to be involved in that process. Again, your podcast, Jeremy, is focused on revenue performance. Do you really want your highly paid, high resources, account executive and sales people focusing on the adoption and the customer journey, or you want them to hunt the next logo while they can hand off that task, which is extremely important for your success, to a team that will more designed for that, which is the customer success team. So I don't think there is a stage or a threshold for a company to set up success. I think that should be very much the strategy from day one. You mentioned time to value, and I listen to a lot of customer success podcasts. I also try to read as much as I can. And that does seem to be a common theme out there when people talk about customer success these days. I'm curious, though, how does one go about measuring time to value, right? It's one thing to, to say we're going to get customers you know, to this magical point. Do you define customer value on a customer by customer basis? Or is there something common that you're aiming for where you define that, hey, we've gotten past this first phase of implementation? A, it needs to be something that you set the expectation with the customers. Why they bought your solutions and what problem they're trying to solve. That will be the value for them. Forcing them your own vision of what the value of your product is won't necessarily work. So we split that per product and each product has different time to value. And we also distinguish between time to first value and time to full value. For example, when you go to the car dealership for the first time and buy the car and get the keys, this is the time where you get the first value. You got the car, you have a car that can take you from point A to point B, and you can drive around the block. That's the first value. Similar with our products. When we give our customers access to the product itself, we backed up their environment and we have copy of the data. This is where they achieve the first value. The full value and the full ROI will usually happened after a couple of weeks or when they hit an incident and they need to recover from that. So when the Salesforce admin or the enterprise application director or even the CIO goes back to the leadership and say, hey guys, we had an incident and we lost data in our SaaS operations, which is usually Salesforce ServiceNow or Dynamics, and we managed to recover from that in a couple of clicks in a matter of hours, this is where they actually see the real value. And I can see the need for the 24-7 support in that case, right? Which is if you have lost data, you're not going to wait, but you don't want to wait till the next day in order to, to get that data recovered. So those things kind of, those things definitely go together. Correct. Some of our customers has very experienced internal Salesforce team or enterprise applications team. But even then, when they need to recover from an incident, you want to make sure that you have someone to call and say, hey, we had an incident, walk us through the process or make sure we're doing the right things to reduce the time we're actually going to spend on the recovery process. You mentioned that from day one, customer success should be a priority and that it's a it may be a shared function for a period of time. As you grow, you begin to specialize more and more. It sounded like it was three years into the own backup journey where you decided to create this premium success tier. I actually hadn't heard of that until maybe a year ago or so at any company until one of my 
colleagues went to a company where they were launching a premier success offering. And then I looked around and I saw that there, it is quite common. But at, at what point in, in a company's journey would, should you think about that next step to the premier success offering? It's a great question. And again, I think it depends on what product you're trying to sell. Some companies will say, well, it's self-service. It's not mission-critical solution. And I'm not sure I want to spend more money on services and support. Having said that, if the solution you're selling is mission-critical and it has to be A, available for you at any point in time, and you want to make sure that your team can get whatever they need to do with this product. And if something goes wrong, it costs you money. So the peace of mind of having a relative experienced resource available for you 24-7, that I think something that companies should consider offering. People think about it as like extremely expensive operation. I can tell you that it shouldn't be like that. Traditionally, people used to deliver 24-7 by the fall of the sun and having teams around the globe and do the handoff from one team to another. But it really depends on the on your business. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, I was thinking back in the day of, of uh, pagers, but I don't think pagers exist anymore. I don't think so. There are some other solutions without promoting them here, but there are some other solutions that allows you to do it uh, in a very digital way. Switching gears a little bit, I just wanted to also go back to the different roles that exist inside the company. So you obviously have AEs who are closing new logos. You have CSMs providing business value. You have support. You have technical account managers, and we can talk about that a little bit. There's a certain tension that exists when CSMs have both commercial and non-commercial responsibility. How do you go about training and enabling your CSMs in order to, in a way, prevent them from becoming overly commercial? That's a great question. And I think that that tension is is healthy as long as the compensation drive the right behavior, right? If the comp plan for customer success managers will be just on net dollar retention, this is what they will be focused on, right? They will drive as much as they can, more upsells and cosells, and will be focused on their success and the company success versus on the customer success, right? When the comp plan allows them to drive more adoption and to drive more success stories with the customers and not just more crosses and upsells that organically, hopefully, will drive to a very positive net dollar retention at the end of the year, but will focus more on the success criteria that we set together with the customer at the beginning of the journey. I also wanted to go back to the rollout of the premium success program. When I've seen these things before, oftentimes there's resistance on the part of the AEs. That resistance is, let's say that they can sell something for, let's say, $100,000, right? And they know that's the budget available. They would rather pack that all into recurring revenue for which they get quota credit. And a lot of times they have a different, either get no quota credit or a different commission on non-recurring services or success revenue, just wondering how you handled the change management during that rollout. So from day one, our premier services were considered as recurring revenue, and the employees were, the sellers, were comped on that, similar to how they comped on products. Moreover, selling one of the premier success SKUs in addition to the products turned this specific deal into a multi-product deal, which provide them some accelerators. So 
that help us to roll out that initiative much easily than before. And it wasn't that easy at the beginning. And it took us time to really understand that couple of months, about a quarter or two. And we had to work with all of the segments because what works for enterprise doesn't necessarily work for the SMB segment. So it was partnership with my VP of customer success and the VP of sales and the rest of the sales leadership to better understand where are the frictions, where we are getting pushbacks, and to change that to make sure that everyone working together. I've been listening to a podcast called Hunters and Unicorns, and they interviewed a whole bunch of former PTC Blade Logic people. They're the company, uh, PTC invented Medic, which is a commonly used enterprise sales qualification and deal health framework. But amongst the other things, they talked a lot about what they look for in hiring new salespeople, which is one of the things that prompted this question for me. So you mentioned a particular trait, storytelling. If you're interviewing a, an earlier career professional into, say, the the CS pool, how do you actually go about assessing their ability to to be a technical storyteller? So I ask them the question, imagine you are a freelancer and your entire business is relying on your Gmail inbox. What will happen if your son, your wife, your girlfriend, or someone by mistake deleted all of your emails? What would you do and how you will tell this story and articulate the need for a backup to your Gmail account to your mother, colleague, or just a friend? Because telling this story about Salesforce is much more complicated, but explaining that your emails in your Gmail account, which is Sometimes if it's personal, it's not a big of a deal, but if you're running your own business based on that inbox, must be critical. So giving people the assignment to talk about it, think about it for a couple of minutes and explain why it's so important. I see. So you give them something that they can more readily understand if they don't come from the Salesforce Dynamics service now world, they're not necessarily going to be able to relate that. But if you give it to them in email form, then they can all imagine that and and see how they do coming back to you. I'm curious, and then once they're on board, obviously everyone can improve their skills over time. I would think for CSM, some of the key skills obviously are the storytelling skills, but also consultative or strategic problem solving. What what sort of enablement do you provide CS people over the course of their tenure there? So we actually have a very extensive onboarding program, not just for CS, but for all of our employees. Uh, we have a New Hire Bootcamp, which is an in-person experience where our enablement team is going through different type of sessions, which is company-wide sessions, for example, who we are, what our values, what our culture looks like, what it means to become an on-backupper, and how you can succeed here in our environment. And then it's split into different paths and routes if you're on the go-to-market team. Uh, there is one bootcamp with a lot of content for customer success managers, account executive, sales development representative, marketing folks, etc. And the other path is for more engineering and development. More specifically for customer success managers, we're talking a lot about A, how to handle objections, similar to sales. In many ways, every renewal is a new sales cycle. And then diving into different stages of the customer journey and what challenges our customers will face in each challenge and how we can solve those. And three is really to understand what are those values 
that we provide to our customers, values and benefits, and how we help them achieving those internally. Yeah, you were talking about people who are happy to continue to be in high-performing, highly skilled individual contributors, and I can definitely relate to that. My father-in-law decided that he wanted to remain an individual contributor for his entire you know, 40, 50-year career, and he designed cooling systems for nuclear power plants. And he loved doing that, right? He, he started out drafting with pencil and paper. And, you know, eventually, obviously, that moved into computer-aided design tools. But that was, you know, that was his groove. He did not want more responsibility beyond raising his daughter. That was the, the extent of his human responsibilities. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. At the end of the day, people say, I want to keep progressing my career and I, go, I want to get promoted. And I'm asking the very tough question sometimes when you have to manage people. Expectation is, what do you like to do? Because if you want to be a manager no problem. We can work on that and find you the right place in the organization. But in mature companies, you will have to switch from doing what you like and love to managing people. And sometimes managing people, it's very exciting and rewarding. And in other days, it feels feels like a teacher in kindergarten. Mm. So you need to be ready for that as well and make sure that you remember that you're not going to be hands-on as you used to be. Yeah, you definitely do not get as much time to build technical acumen, which is, as you mentioned, very rewarding, right? To build those those soft skills, the hard skills, the proficiency in, in different domains. Well, Lihod, it was uh, really a pleasure having you on. And thank you for sharing your wisdom about customer success and in particular about how to deploy a premium customer success program. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time.